Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. As Kyle said, my name's John, and this is a little bit different role for me. I'm the engagement pastor here, and usually Kyle's uh, one leading us in teaching, but I get the uh, privilege, honor, I don't know. He kind of threw me up here and said, here, here's a fun passage. Go on. We're in the middle of our Give Over Get series. We're in our fourth week now. It's been fun. For those of you who don't know where we've been, we kind of spent the first two weeks of looking at Jesus and his characteristics and his priorities and we've been challenging ourselves of how can we take his character and priority and what does it say about how we give rather than looking to always get and how does that shape our lives? And then last week we looked at um, how generosity affects our relationships. And I love it because Kyle went to the Good Samaritan passage. I don't know if everyone took away the same thing that I took away, but I thought it was kind of neat because we looked at that passage and usually uh, we get to the end and it's like, well, how, uh, who's my neighbor? But rather, Kyle flipped it on its head, and it was more of how can I be a neighbor to someone? Rather, take up the action rather than assessing other people. Rather, just live out and just give to people rather than expecting to get back from someone else. And like Kyle said, today we're in Matthew 20, but I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball because when you open up this passage, it kind of starts in the middle of Jesus is already talking about something. So we got to jump back to 19 to figure out what in the world are you talking about here, Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, you might need to flip back a page. You might need to press a little arrow, move back to chapter 19. And we're going to be starting in Matthew 19, verse 16. Now, I'm not going to take too much time. Don't worry. I know there's like three little short stories here, but they all make one big point. I'm not going to cut into your lunchtime. Don't worry. Um, And so starting in Matthew 19, verse 16, those of you who got there with me, what we see here is that we see Jesus. He's walking on his way to Jerusalem with his disciples right now. And he hears a voice from the crowd basically chime up above everyone else to ask a question. And this person's labeled as the rich young ruler. And he pipes up and he asks a question that, if we're honest, some of us have probably asked this before. And he goes, Jesus, what good things must I do to inherit this internal life in which you talk about? Basically asking him, Jesus, what's the checklist? What are the things I need to do to get into heaven? And so Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't just give a direct answer as some of us wish he would sometimes. Instead, he goes, you know, you ask of what good things you need to do. Rather, think about who is the one source of all things good. And he points them to God. And interestingly enough, he begins to list off uh, some things to do. And it's the second half of the Ten Commandments. And it's the second greatest uh, commandment that Jesus talks about earlier in the Gospels. And what Jesus basically tells him is that he says, which ones? And he says, interestingly enough, he says, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And this neighbor, um, this rich young ruler, you can imagine he's kind of standing there, kind of uh, processing through this. I always like to imagine that he's kind of doing like this little checklist through. He goes, honor your mother and father. Don't kill somebody. I hope most of us haven't done that. Um, Don't steal from other people. And he's checking off this list of all these good things. And there's this little bit of confidence that comes in him when he says, well, I've done all these. And then this insecurity kind of arises. It's this almost kind of insecurity that he's lacking something because he he basically asks Jesus, he says, I've done all this. What do I still lack? And Jesus um, just, let's just say he gets a little blunt in his statement here. He says, to be perfect, you need to give up your possessions, all your possessions, and then come and follow me. And this can seem a little harsh 
um, in the beginning of how it comes across. And so often I feel like this passage can be taken in the wrong way of saying, like, don't have any possessions. Possessions are bad. But what he's getting at here is this underlying uh, struggle for this young man is that he has so many possessions. He has so many things in this world that he's finding comfort and reliance in his possessions and in his wealth. And Jesus is trying to combat that. And he's encouraging him. He says, hey, don't find your reliance in your possessions. Find your reliance in God. And we see when he tells him this, let's just say the man didn't exactly hear what he wanted, uh, kind of turns and walks away. And it says that he was sorrowful. He was upset. And we don't know um, what he would go on to do, but there's this clear like internal struggle in which he was having of giving up the things of this world, the possessions, the money in which he had, and relying on God with everything. And then following this interaction, Jesus has an interaction with his disciples. He turns to them and he says to them, it is hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle enough with that little piece of thread trying to get that through a needle. Um, But it's funny because you see the disciples, they're like, wow, if it's that tough, they ask them, they ask them just straight, what does it take for us to be saved? And Jesus gives them uh, a really profound statement here. He says, with man, it is impossible for us to enter into the kingdom of God. There is no amount of possessions, of worth, of things that we can build up in our lives. There's no way we can will it, muster it, try hard enough to get ourselves in. Rather, he says, but with God, all things are possible. It is God alone that we are able to be saved. It's not our possessions, not our will, not our effort that will get us in. It is only God and the internal inheritance in which we receive. See, that internal inheritance is not a reward for the good stuff we do. Rather, it's God who gives it to us as a gift because he loves us and he died for us. He wants to share this with us. And so Peter, uh, being Peter, um, basically asked Jesus a question. And it can come across a little self-centered, maybe a little self-seeking, a little conceited. He basically asked Jesus, he says, Jesus, like, um, look at all that we've done for you. You know, we've given up our possessions. We left our family, our friends, and we've come out here and we followed you and done everything you've commanded of us. Uh, So what do we receive when we get to heaven, you know? And Peter's basically assessing other people's lives. And he's saying like, well, we're giving up more. We're doing more than they're doing. So like, do we get a better seat in heaven? You know, do we get closer to the center of the throne? You know, we get a nice little chair, uh, like a nice mansion or everything right across the block from Jesus and everything. Um, and it's fun because Jesus here, he acknowledges, he says, like, you guys have been faithful disciples and you have a treasure built up for you in heaven. And there is going to be a reward for your faithfulness. But we get to verse 30 and Jesus just kind of shakes things up. He tells them many of those who are first will be last and the last will be first. And you can imagine that they're just kind of shocked. And I love it because Kyle read a parable earlier that is just in response to this. So this ends chapter 19, and then we pick up in 20. And we start in 20, it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus is starting a parable, and he wants to illustrate, um, basically displaying an earthly um, characteristic with a heavenly meaning is what he wants to do here. And so he begins talking about this vineyard. And for those of you who go, why is he using a vineyard? Well, for the nation of Israel, a vineyard was their most precious crop. And so often they're referred to as a vineyard. Israel's referred to as a vineyard because Israel is precious to God. And it's kind of this illustration that a vineyard is basically our 
earthly realm, our kingdom on earth kind of thing. And so in this, you have a landowner who's over this vineyard, and he needs to find workers. So he goes out super early in the morning at the dawn of day. He goes to the marketplace, finds some people that are looking for work, and basically says, hey, come work for me, and I'll pay you a denarius. And for those of you who don't know, I don't know why you don't know. It's such a common piece of money nowadays. It's basically like a, like a wages day. So like you work for a day, that's equivalent to like a whole like day's wage kind of thing is one denarius. So he tells them that. And they're like, sure, we'll do it. They go to his vineyard to work. He goes back out a couple hours later at 9 o'clock, does the same thing, runs into some people at the market who are looking for work. And he goes, hey, you need some work? They go, well, yeah. He goes, okay, come back to my vineyard, and I'll pay you what's fair for working. He does this a couple more times. He goes around noon, finds a couple more people. And interestingly enough, he goes back around 5 o'clock. They're, the end of the work day for you know, most of us is kind of around that time. It's kind of like, why would you go back again? Their end of the work day was at 6. He saw some people standing in the market who had no work, who were standing around and had no invitation. And so he goes to them at 5 o'clock and says, hey, come work, and I'll pay you something. And so they do. And they come back, he invites them in. They go into his vineyard and work. And at the end of the day, time comes to pay the people that came and worked, right? So he lines them up and he starts with the people uh, that showed up last. And interestingly enough, he gives them a Daenerys of day's wage. And you can imagine the confusion that the first people had. Like, I mean, they've been there for hours now. So what are they thinking? They might be having um, some almost some insecurity of like, I was told I was going to get paid a Daenerys, but they're getting paid that maybe I'm going to get some more, you know, maybe I'm going to get five, 10. I don't know. I've worked a lot today. It's a hot day out. You know, I put in a lot of work. Maybe I'm going to get some more Then it gets around to them and they get paid the same thing. You can imagine that they're not too happy about this. I mean, you heard it in there. They're like, these guys have only worked an hour and we've been out this whole entire day in the scorching sun working on your land and we're going to get paid the same. Interestingly enough, the landowner comes back and he replies to them. He says, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a Daenerys for your work? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? The laborers are blinded by their self-interest and their assessment of others that they think uh, that they aren't thankful for what they have received. And I love it. Jesus caps off this parable with what capped off the last chapter. He says, the last will be first and the first will be last. And when we look at this passage, I really think there's two big things that we can draw out of this. Because we need to remember that this vineyard is used to illustrate God's kingdom here on earth. You know, God's the landowner of this vineyard, his kingdom on earth. And he's calling us workers out into the field to go and labor and to serve his kingdom. I think the first thing that we see is that God is calling and inviting all people to come out to work and to labor in his field, to be a part of the kingdom. He wants people to be a part of what's going on here. And second, in the midst of this calling, he's encouraging them. He says, the people that have already been working in the field, don't waste your time assessing the new workers that come in. Rather, welcome them in and be generous for what you will receive. You know, we emphasize a lot here at Generations about being a family, that we're God's family here at Generations Church, and we're all a part of the kingdom work he is doing here in Vancouver. But even what is so much greater is that God is doing kingdom work far beyond just Vancouver, Washington. 
you know, it's all one vineyard. It's all one kingdom. It's all one family. And God is inviting people from all walks of life, from all places, from all stories, from all aspects and places. He's inviting them into this family. And yes, it might even be that person that you're not the biggest fan of, that person you avoid, the person you go, gosh, God, why do you have to invite that person? He's inviting each and every one of them. And we talked about this last week. Instead of asking, who is my neighbor? It's how can I be a neighbor myself? How can I love? How can I look to give? How can I look to care for those people who are coming in? Because God's going to invite. God's going to keep bringing people in. How can I continue to love and pour out and care for them? Because God is active in expanding his family. And we're excited to see who he brings in. And it's not about what they've done. Rather, it's about how God is working in their life. And he does so by inviting people. And what he's doing is he wants to continue his work to redeem the world, to redeem all the people in here. And he invites us to be along for that. So we have those who've committed themselves to God. You know, we've answered this call. We're working in this vineyard, in this kingdom. We're working in the family. We're serving and we're following God along in everything. In the work of expanding God's family, we're striving for the same goal, you know. So don't compare or assess yourself with one another. We have the same goal. We have the same passion. We want to see other people come in and know Jesus and experience the eternal life with him. You know, I love it here because you clearly see that whether you've been in this vineyard for 30 years or 30 seconds, we're all one family. No amount, no amount of time in this vineyard will get you a better seat, closer to God, or higher status in the new heavens and the new earth. And out of this passage, I think there are three, three types of people that come to my mind. You know, there's the one person who's on the outs, who's almost on the outskirts of Christianity or on the outskirts of church. Maybe they're standing in the marketplace and they're just kind of unsure of where they're going in life. Maybe they're kind of confused. Maybe they're looking for something. Or maybe they're just kind of tipping, dipping their toes in the water and kind of leading into this whole Christianity thing and asking questions. And they don't necessarily know their place. You know, they're a new Christian um, and they've accepted that invitation. And maybe they just need someone to just rally around them to invite them in. You know, my encouragement for those kind of people is to just dip your toe in and try something out. I, one of the things I love here at Generations is you see so many people who've used their talents and abilities in different ways. You see people up here who are playing bass. You see people who are making coffee, running sound, playing with little kids, but even stuff during the week and planning events, writing handwritten notes. I love it because there's so many different ways in which you can serve. And my encouragement for someone who's on the outskirts, maybe someone who's just trying out this whole Christianity thing, find something that you like and try it. See what happens. Maybe you try, you're like, hey, I like kids and everything. You go back there, you help out for a couple weeks, and then you see all the snot running down your nose, and you start, and you're like me, and as soon as you see snot, you throw up, and you go, maybe I shouldn't be back here. That's okay. We can bring you out here. Maybe you can make some coffee and everything. And then, I don't know, we'll see how that goes. You know, people are really particular about their coffee, if you haven't realized. But that's my biggest encouragement. Is if you're new, you're on the outskirts, feel free to come in and try something. Communicate what you love to do, and we love to plug you in to a team. Maybe you find yourself being the second person. Maybe you're someone who's been in the family for a while. You've been serving around, doing a bunch of things, trying out some stuff, and you've been committed to what you're doing. And yet, maybe it's just not the right place. Or maybe you're kind of uh, questioning things. Maybe you're kind of upset because you thought things were going, were going to go a certain way, and they're not. 
you know, I, it's so tough because we always encourage people when we say, we want you to come into the family. We want you to follow God and everything. And so often we think that doing this and doing the right things is going to lead to a joyful life. And sometimes there's pain and there's suffering. And when you begin to live out your expressions of your faith, sometimes you're going to get pressures back. And it's going to be pressure through physical pain, through financial struggle, through the things of the world that are just unpredictable and we just can't plan for. And if you're that person, maybe you're experiencing a level of burnout. You've been going in this position for so long and you're just tired. Maybe you just keep trucking away and you think, maybe if I keep trying harder, it's going to get better. I'm going to like it a little bit more. And you just kind of keep hitting that same wall. Or maybe you just keep filling your life with a busyness and saying, if I, keep, if I just keep going, maybe, maybe things will work out and things will just get better. Or maybe you're kind of getting to that point of you're experiencing some bitterness. Maybe you keep going at things and you're like, God, why isn't things getting better? And there's a little bit of that anger, maybe a little bit of that resentment that comes up in that. You know, our biggest encouragement is we never want to see someone burn out. We never want to see bitterness. We never want to see someone struggle in their serving. And so my encouragement to you is find someone to be open and honest about that. Because that's okay to say, man, I'm struggling with this in this moment. We can, you know, say, hey, why don't you try this? Or, hey, you know, the cool thing is, is we've talked about this. We're a family. We want to pray. We want to love on each other. I love this. Charles does this all the time. He calls out certain people and says, hey, I know stuff's going on in their life, and we're going to pray for it now. We're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to care for them. We're going to love them. And that type of prayer doesn't just happen here on Sunday. Well, I mean, like it happens early in the morning. It happens sometimes during service, but it also happens during the week, and I love that. We have people that fill out our prayer request cards, and we have a handwritten note that go out to people each week to just let them know someone physically wrote this out for you and prayed this for you. You can text that to us and say, hey, I need prayer for this. We have a team of people that will sit there and pray and say, how can I help you? How can I care for you in this moment? Lean into your family. Lean into them. Trust them. And just be open and honest and say, I'm struggling with this family. How can you help? Or maybe you find yourself as the third type of person. The one who's found their role in the vineyard, who's been working away, striving, doing things really well. And things seem to be, you know, pretty peachy. You know, things are going well. And my encouragement is if things are going well, you're striving, you're healing it, look around and say, who can I invite in? You know, maybe there's people in the marketplace, maybe there's people on the outside, or maybe there's someone who's just kind of showing up a little bit. Who can you bring along with you in the joy in which you do things that you, to basically combat what these guys were doing? Because these guys that are thriving in here and they're seeing these new people come in, and so often they begin to say, well, man, I've been here for so long. Why do you think you get to receive the same thing I do? To combat that, why don't we invite people in and say, we want you to be a part of this family. We want you to experience this eternal life with us. You know, it's so, it's so easy to kind of fall into this um, kind of mindset where we're not necessarily willing uh, and open to finding other workers because we're so um, gung-ho on doing the things in which we're doing. You know, we're so good at making the copy. Maybe we're so good at writing notes. Maybe we're so good at greeting people and stuff. And that's okay. I'm glad you're really good at it. But be willing to say, hey, come and do this with me. It's not just all me. It's not about me. It's about God expanding his kingdom and his family to come. I, I want to share a story with you guys today because uh, maybe this will help um, kind of bring this kind of picture together of 
what it looks like to kind of advance in these different fields. Uh, you guys might know this person. Uh, I asked them if I could share their story, and they were like, yes, John, that's okay. And it's, uh, it's actually someone who's been here for a while. Uh, it's Charity. Uh, she's been with us since we kind of launched and everything. I mean, you came up, you were with the sending team from the branch and everything. We've been so glad to have you around. And one of the things that I love about Charity is that she came for a while and she kind of felt her place around. You know, she showed up for a couple of weeks trying to figure out where do I fit in? How do I kind of work within this family? And I remember there was one week, and I think it was in November, that she actually filled out one of our gin cards. And she wrote on there, she said, hey, I'm interested in serving. Let's get coffee. And I was like, okay, well, cool. Someone's actually using this. Awesome. And so we followed up, and we ended up getting coffee. And it was such a cool moment because over that coffee, uh, Charity was able to basically just describe her experience of being in the vineyard, of being in the kingdom, of being in the family, and how she's been working. She's been in churches before. She's done stuff. But there's almost this uneasiness, this almost, uh, I don't know if I found my right place. She even expressed a little bit of that feeling of burnout, you know, of I worked so hard at this, and I just, I don't know, I just kind of feel uh, a little bit emptied out. Uh, maybe this wasn't the right place for me. And so I asked her a question that was once asked of me. And it was just simple. It's, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy to do? And I remember the first time I was asked this, and I was kind of taken back of, that's really your ministry Bible question? Like, that's a simple thing. That's like anyone else would ask me that. But I love it because what she was able to articulate is what she's already doing in life, what she's good at, how God's gifted her, and where she finds joy in. And she's able to talk about how at work she throws these events, she plans, she executes, she does all the brainstorming behind these things, and she loves to see them come together and just thrive. And the people that engage there, and she was like, I, I love that. I was like, well, cool. How can we use that here? How can you use that talent? How can you use those abilities? How can you use that passion here? And begin saying, well, here's some holes we have here at your church. And she goes, and it was cool because there was almost this light bulb moment where she was like, yep, that. She goes, I want to help out with our outreach events. And I was like, well, this is really cool. I mean, if I don't have to point you in some direction, you know what you want to do. Awesome. Let's see what God's going to do. And if you guys uh, can't tell, we still have some decorations up and everything. We have a big old balloons over there. So has some Christmas lights and everything going on here. There might be a couple stains on the floor. It's okay. Don't worry. It's not blood. Like they didn't actually die or use props or anything like that. That would have been kind of funny, you know, but, um, it was cool because months of planning her and some of the other events team were able to come together and use their talents, use their abilities, use their passion to come together and say, Hey, how can we put on an event that one loves on our team and just has a fun environment, but also two, we're able to bring in our friends, bring in people who are maybe in the marketplace, people who don't know who God is, and just show them a place that Christians can have fun and have a good time together. And that everything we do, we show the love of Jesus. We want to give rather than get. And it was really cool to just see what happened and all the effort that came together. Because I mean, Friday, uh, let's just say it takes a little while. If you've never like ironed tablecloths or anything, they take a while. They take a long time. You can ask Hannah. We had to do, what, 30 plus for a wedding, and it was not fun. It took two weeks. It was kind of bad. Um, but it was so cool to just see how there's just this joy on their face the entire time setting up. The event comes and goes off, 
And we have so much of our team that was there. We had a fun time. But we even saw, I mean, there is a huge chunk of people that were, have never been to a Generations event before. They've never connected with us before. And yet they were able to come to a Generations event, get to know who we are, and see the love of Jesus through us. And it was because they are able to use their passions, use their talents, use their abilities. And I love stories like this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's incredible when you see people that find their ministry fit, that there's this unfathomable passion and overflowing a love that comes with it. Because it isn't easy, but when your hope is found in Jesus and you have a family around you that wants you to thrive, it will completely change how you work in the kingdom. And so uh, to kind of wrap this up with a bow and everything, uh, my biggest encouragement to you is if you find yourself uh, maybe kind of wondering where your place is, kind of wondering what that next step is. Maybe where can I contribute here in this vineyard? Or maybe you're like, man, I have this passion and talent. I don't know how it can be used here. Take your gin card. Feel free to use that. We haven't dropped those off yet. And we reference that every week. But that is, it's an incredible way Charity was able to use it of just saying, hey, let's get together for coffee and have a conversation about this. I want to know where my place is in the family. And we would love to have that conversation. I love those conversations because it what you're able to see is someone who recognizes their identity is found in Jesus and how he has gifted them in many different ways and how all of us are different. And we're able to come together as one family to unite that and use that and invite others in to expand God's family. A family that's committed to expanding and we do it all because of Jesus. And that expansion goes on way beyond just our current generation, but into the next generation, to the next generation. And for further generations to follow. And we get to celebrate that this morning in a baptism. And I love that. And we do this by identifying that God's calling us to work in the vineyard, caring for our family that is struggling and inviting others to join us as we seek to advance God's kingdom, not only here in Vancouver, but across the world and wherever he's calling. Will y'all pray with me? Father, we just, we come to you and we're just blown away by how great, how grand, how big and powerful you are, Lord. It's so cool to really see that you, you took special time and uniquely made each and every one of us. And we are thankful for that. And we pray that you will just reveal yourself to us. You speak to us. You open our eyes to where you are calling us in your vineyard, in your kingdom, and in your family. And how we can, have, we can find our role. We can find the place in which you're calling us. And that we can be a family that invites others, that pushes and challenges each other to find that place. So that we can advance your kingdom for generations to come. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So I don't know what God is saying right now in this moment. 